When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Beyonce, you look like the Vivian Dross. Ho, oh, but make it fashion. Who said that? Welcome to Back Issue, a weekly podcast that revisits formative moments in pop culture that we still think about. I'm your host, Josh Quinn. And today, I'm not just your host. And I'm not just Josh Quinn. I'm Judge Josh. Hand me my robe. Hit the music. Real people, fake cases. You are about to enter the courtroom of Judge Josh Judy Maybelline Mathis Quinn. With over 34 years of experience in the court of public opinion, he is not impartial. He is not rational. He is not reasonable. Now all rise for Judge Josh. Josh's court is now in session. For today's docket, we have three cultural commentators sharing some of their spiciest pop culture takes with the court. Our guests have been tasked with bringing to the court an opinion that might be unpopular, controversial even, but it's a hill they're willing to die on. Of course, I myself am no stranger to hot takes. Longtime listeners may remember back in season one when I used my platform to bravely defend Glitter and its soundtrack and the Lamely on this podcast. The idea that anyone would feel otherwise about a movie that is basically a star is born but with a better soundtrack is beyond the jurisprudence of this court. For this episode, though, I'm on the other side of the table, or should I say, judge's bench. Gavels. Briefcases. Robes. Objections. Tom Girardi. Lindsay Lohan's mugshot. Ammonium Thyglocalate. Phaedra Park's Mortician Esquire. Welcome to Josh's Court. We got some juicy defendants on the docket today. We've got Hunter Harris. We've got Sam Sanders. But the first opinion on trial today comes from B.A. Parker, the only one of the three brave enough to proceed without alliteration in their name. Also, host of NPR's Code Switch. I already feel a little bit biased from that, but hello, your honor, it's a pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Before we get started, please place your left hand on this copy of Michelle Obama's memoir, Becoming, and your right hand on Michelle Obama's memoir, The Light We All Carry, and swear to tell it like it is. I swear on all that is Oprah that I will not be silent. Or silenced. Or silenced. And I swear to tell my opinions, my whole opinions, and nothing but my opinions. So help you, Yonsei. So help me, Yonsei. Court is now in session. 
Now, let's establish the ground rules for all of today's proceedings. You will have the floor to lay out your argument of your pop culture hot take, but I might jump in with some clarifying questions or with objections to points that I deem inadmissible. Oh, boy. Like shading the witness. (laughs) (laughs) But before that, I'm going to have you summarize your take in one sentence and tell you how convinced I am of your opinion. We'll call it a preliminary ruling. And at the end, I'll say how much you've won me over. But first, Parker, please state in one sentence what it is you've so bravely decided to present in Josh's court. My take, Your Honor, is that the movie Mean Girls isn't all that. It is an average, perfectly adequate movie, but not worthy of the love it gets. Wow. Wow. Didn't realize we were starting with Crimes Against Humanity. Okay. The Hague must have been busy. All right. Let's settle down. (laughs) I'd say I'm starting from a place of being approximately 100% in disagreement with this take. But I will turn it over to you to lay out the foundation for your case. And first, for anyone who hasn't rewatched Mean Girls for the 800th time, can you please summarize the plot of this 2004 cinematic masterpiece? All right, so you have Lindsay Lohan, who is this girl named Katie, who uh, was raised in the jungles of Africa, which, okay. And then uh, she moves to this affluent town, and she meets some friends, the outsiders, who are both, like, kind of, like, queer-coded, and they convince her to make friends with the popular girls, the plastics, And Katie infiltrates their group and uh, slowly but surely becomes a plastic herself, though she thinks that she isn't. She is transformed and becomes, like, as awful as Regina. Queen B. um, And learns her lesson, so they tell me. Thank you for that overview, Counselor. And with that plot recap in mind, Parker, let's hear your opening argument. All right, here's the thing. I feel like... Mean Girls is a perfectly fine film. Is it great? No. I feel like it's been used as, like, uh, a personality trait. And I equate it to the way that men love Fight Club is the way I feel when people say they love Mean Girls. Mm -hmm. I think it's an average comedy at best. Hella racist. To say it hasn't aged well, it didn't start well. And I think that so much of my 20s was having to know Mean Girls quotes because I was around people who were obsessed with the movie but not really learning from the movie. Does everyone a disservice, but mostly me. (laughs) And, like, it came out in 2004. So I was in high school. I also went to a prominently black high school. Mm. And I think in pop culture, it was a very cruel time. Mm, mm -hmm. Like the era of Lindsay Lohan, Hilary Duff, uh, low-rise jeans with the thong sticking out, peasant (laughs) tops, where you'd have like a female celebrity's name and then like their size next to it in like Us Weekly. In Hollywood, you can never be too rich or too thin. The average American woman is now 5'4 and 164 pounds, which is drastically different from what we're seeing in celebrities' weights and heights. The camera adds 10 pounds to everyone. So actresses feel, wait, if that adds 10 pounds, maybe I should lose 15, 20 pounds. I really want to lose three pounds. Oh my God, what are you talking about? You're so skinny. (sighs) Shut up. It calls towards, like, the cruelty of the era, but I don't think that is the way that its staying power has been interpreted. Mm. 
It's been used as like a personality trait instead of a cautionary tale. So are you telling the court that you don't think that Mean Girls is a funny movie? (laughs) Did I laugh when I watched it last night? No. I only laughed uh, when Amy when Amy Poehler has like she got her breast done, and the mm-hmm. her dog kept like nibbling on her breast. <laughs> Tell me everything. What are you guys listening to? What's the cool jams? Mom, <laughs> could you go fix your hair? Okay. You girls keep me young. Oh, I love you so much. That part made me laugh, but I'm pretty sure that wasn't improv. <laughs> But as a film professor, someone who thinks about film, do you think that it's poorly constructed? Because I'll submit into evidence the fact that Tina Fey did get a Writers Guild nomination for Best Adapted Screenplay. This was also during the time when she was winning everything because she was the only woman that people thought was funny. Because they were like, women can't tell jokes. And then she was like, I'm a different kind of girl. I'm like, just because you wear glasses and didn't like a lot of girls when you were growing up does not mean, all right. You said something about going to an all-Black or predominantly Black high school as being part of the reason that you don't fuck with dream, with dream Girls, with Mean <laughs> oh Girls. Oh, no, I fuck with Dream Girls. <laughs> <laughs> um, with Mean Girls. And I'll give you, I mean, the movie is told from a very white, very privileged, very 2004 perspective. And, like, the movie literally has one Black character, Tim Meadows, as the principal. And the only time we actually see Black students is when we get a glimpse of this clique known as the Unfriendly Black Hotties in the cafeteria. Real talk, good for them. Like, <laughs> they, that table was fresh, and they had, they were too good for them broads anyway. Like, it's okay. It's Which is my objection. Can we not call... Tina Fey, a freedom writer, a leader of the civil rights movement, for leaving Black people out of this white mess? No, because the way that she treated Asian people in that story was also poor. Mm. The way that they had an Asian character who, having an affair with— Like a, the gym a, teacher? Because as like a, a weird sexualization. Ugh. Also the hypersexualization of my Indian king, who was in the mathletes. Mm-hmm. Like very problematic. The only great thing about Mean Girls is that at least three of the men after that movie finished came out as queer. That is the only good thing that really came out of Mean Girls. (laughs) I want to enter something into the record. The court would like to hear you comment on Exhibit A, also known as Mariah Carey. Everybody, like all my girlfriends that are around me now are just like, we're obsessed with Mean Girls because it's just funny. It's just one of those things where you start saying the little phrases and um, it catches on. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. Oh. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. pink. That's, that's where that vibe comes from. And I'd be like, why are you so obsessed with me? And I was like, why are you so obsessed with me? The elusive Chantus is a vanguard of our time. And there's nothing more on this earth that she loves more than Mean Girls. So the court must ask the question, are you disagreeing with Mariah Carey? Are you calling her a liar? I mean, she also loved Nick Cannon at one point, and that was a bad look, too. So we, we learn, we grow. <laughs> the court has heard enough to issue a verdict. He might agree or he might read you for filth. It's a verdict. A verdict from Josh. Verdict from Josh. All rise. Oh, boy. As you know, 
I started off 100% unconvinced with your take. Mm-hmm. I am now 50% in agreement with you. Whew. Like, comedy isn't evergreen, and there are definitely things about Mean Girls that have aged poorly and things that were always problematic, but I think it's funnier than you're giving it credit, and that sometimes maybe even thoughtful, even if some viewers took away the wrong message. I find the defendant B.A. Parker moderately convincing. I'll take it. <laughs> Thank you. B.A. Parker is excused from the courtroom, which means it's time to bring in a new plaintiff. Next on the docket, we have Hunter Harris, writer of the newsletter Hung Up, ready to plead her case. Welcome to Josh's Court. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Hunter, can you state for the court your case? Okay. My case is that too many celebrities get veneers and that celebrities should actually keep their real teeth. Okay, wow. Hunter taking on literally all of Hollywood today in court. (laughs) I'm floored. And I'm truly split. I don't know how to feel about this. Okay, well, that's why I'm here. I'll say right now my preliminary ruling is that I'm... 33.33333% convinced. (laughs) But I'll turn it over to you, Hunter, to lay out your argument. So, I think I think about teeth too much. Because I think about smiles, because I watch a lot of movies and TV and media and whatever. And it really wasn't until my first job in New York when I was looking at photos of celebrities all the time that I noticed that everyone has veneers. And maybe we should explain for the listener, I mean, members of the jury that might not know, (laughs) veneers are these little white caps that look like a perfect tooth that attach to the front of your teeth. And a lot of celebrities get them and they can be very expensive. There was a Gawker story about this maybe two years ago or something. And it's that veneer, like the really good veneers themselves are like $2,500 per tooth. And when I think about iconic smiles, I don't think about the sort of teeth from the teeth factory smiles. And when people get a certain amount of money or a certain amount of acclaim or a certain amount of Golden Globe nominations, they (laughs) go to the dentist and get these veneers. And they are so expensive, but they are also so impersonal. I think it's bad for acting and when I'm supposed to suspend my disbelief that a struggling musician or um, a coke-addicted chef or a single mother who's bringing a small town to its feet and a giant corporation to its knees, Aaron Brockovich, um, (laughs) has like $40,000 worth of dental work in their mouths. It's just like not really conceivable to me in a way. And like the real iconic smiles like Julia Roberts, like her sort of like rounded two front teeth or Woody Harrelson having small teeth or Penn Badgley having a gap in his teeth or Kirsten Dunst having like the fangs on the sides of her teeth. Like those are the smiles that I think about, not the ones that look like just like a sort of drawing of teeth. (laughs) Um, So I think it does all of us a disservice. Objection. Okay. I think that you're starting with, like, a certain level of attractiveness. So, like... Not you calling them ugly. No, no, no. no. I'm calling them pretty. (laughs) I'm saying, like, people like Julia Roberts and Kirsten Dunst, they already fit this Western beauty standard ideal, regardless of a gummy smile or a snaggle tooth. Like, their teeth don't make or break their careers. But then I look at someone like Cardi B, who fits outside of that beauty standard... I think it's reasonable to think that she might have felt as though her teeth were holding her back. I submit this clip from Love & Hip Hop. 
I got crooked teeth, so I don't want people to look at my crooked teeth, so I'd rather them look at my teeth. Okay. So then she got her work done, and she got her teeth fixed. Mm -hmm. She told us about it in that line from Bodak Yellow. In summation, maybe getting veneers was a way for Cardi to signal the fact that she had made it and that she had the ability to cross over into new spaces. I think that makes sense. I mean, I'm not saying that veneers writ large are bad, Mm -hmm. but I think that there is like a type of person in Hollywood having teeth, like the Pete Davidson teeth that are so like garishly normal and Mm -hmm. there's nothing unique about them. There's nothing um, significant or even special about their mouths or their smile. With Cardi B, she has enough personality that she's Cardi B regardless. But I think veneers as a status symbol is the most, it's the clearest way to signify wealth in status, but also kind of the dumbest. It's not like a brow lift or Botox or something like that where you kind of can't tell. I think it is really to announce yourself, but it's like the announcement is too loud. Is that not what we want from our celebrities, though? Like a level of aspiration? Or are you saying that like veneers aren't aspirational? I don't think they're aspirational. People want nice teeth and white teeth and straight teeth and clean teeth, but Mm -hmm. not like the perfect teeth that look like those like the <laughs> look like the bricks for like iPhone chargers <laughs> like laptop chargers like that's what people have in their mouth right. like that's not normal and it's also for people who want to be like relatable it's not relatable well hunter i'd like to move to oral arguments about some more oral examples oral arguments arguments about I submit into court record two side-by-side portraits of the most Boston man to ever Boston, Ben Affleck. Okay, do not use Ben Affleck against me. You cannot use a Leo (laughs) against another Leo. You can't do that. And I will say, I don't think that Ben Affleck's original teeth are that bad. They're not, but I'd submit him as a test case for good veneer work. He he just has like a strange kind of man from Boston smile. He can't help that. There are no veneers for being from Boston. (laughs) Yet. They haven't invented oral surgery to remove the bastin from one's (laughs) mouth yet. Okay, next up. I submit in the court records side-by-side portraits of an artist who made the rain and the Laguna Beach credits iconic. One of my favorite set of veneers in Hollywood, Hilary Duff. I think these are the most famous veneers in Hollywood. They were just too big. And you couldn't recognize her. It was like uncanny valley of the like Lizzie McGuire, Hillary Duff teeth to the like movie star, Hillary Duff teeth. I think this test case, you can see how the original veneers do her so dirty. Like <laughs> this honestly really, I think, proves my point more that the bad veneers that I'm talking about, like the sort of same dull, just blank one size fits all veneers. Um are not attractive. The picture of Hillary Duff in my brain's contact app will always be long veneered Hillary, <laughs> even though she's removed them at this point in time. Yeah, I think those veneers have packed up and moved into another celebrity's mouth, but I won't say who. <laughs> so speaking of Hillary Duff, my brain is making another teeth connection because Hillary used to be married to this hockey player. And a lot of hockey players lose their teeth because they fight in the sport and they end up getting veneers in order to not have like three teeth. What's your opinion on that? 
I think veneers for, you know, after an injury or if you have like a bite problem or something like that, I mean, that makes sense. But again, I don't know who in their right mind would like get 18 to 50 new teeth just to fix like four. That feels crazy. And those like the big chompers that people are getting. Are you anti-flipper? Like, it's a very common in toddlers and tears, like the pageants for little kids, where they wear, like, temporary veneers, basically, Mm-mm. because they haven't, they haven't gotten Mm-mm. all their teeth no. in yet. I need to get this off my computer. This is not of the Lord. I'm so sorry, but absolutely not. I just have a complex, too, where I think it's, like, disgusting when parents try to dress their kids up as, like, miniature adults. Yeah, I'm not a big fan either. Making children into, like, miniature adults is not normal. How do you feel about teeth jewelry? So like Diddy, Rihanna, FK Twigs, Pink, they all have like diamonds in their teeth. Some of them are removable. Some of them are actual dental work. What do you think of that? One of my really close friends actually has a jewel in her teeth that some white girl on drugs gave her at a party. And it's like, <laughs> I would never let that girl touch my mouth, but I have no problem with that. Again, I think Things that add character instead of taking character away are, like, Mm. endearing and sort of iconic. I don't think it's in the same conversation as, like, the big white, like, keyboard veneers. How do you feel about girls? I was a child in 2003. Like, yeah. (laughs) Like, I, I, at lunch, put foil on my teeth and, like, called it girls. How do you feel about white people and girls? Oh, absolutely not. (laughs) Except for you, Paul Wall. You're the only one. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a closing statement that you wish to enter on the record? I think my closing statement would be that medically necessitated or like chipped teeth veneers, that's a separate conversation. I am very much talking about the cosmetic status symbol, white piano key veneers, like a mouthful of them. I mean, if I, I don't know how many teeth you're supposed to have. But sometimes I look at people and I'm like, damn, like Faye Dunaway has like 75 teeth in her mouth and they're all veneers. (laughs) Case closed. The defense rests. I would like to issue my verdict. I started a third convinced. But after hearing your case, I am 90% convinced. I like your argument for individuality. I think it's, it's very important. Thank you. No, thank you, Hunter. I think you should seriously consider a second career in law. Okay, my dad was a judge. He's retired now, so I've had a lot of practice. Period. (laughs) (laughs) We'll conclude today's hearings with the case brought to the court by counsel presently waiting outside of chambers. He's the star Jones of pop culture, the Gloria Allred of podcasts. It's Sam Sanders after a short recess. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mm -hmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. I'm Shimon Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. 
all of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest. And they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense thing you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost. But now I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully no one will die on station night. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. In the court, we've got our final plaintiff here, host of the podcast Intuit and Vibe Check, the Honorable Sam Sanders. How you doing, Sam? You know, thriving, surviving, conniving, <laughs> all of the Ivans. <laughs> all the Ivans. I love it. I, I'm thrilled to have you in my chambers ready to plead your case. Me too. To restate the rules of today's proceedings once again, Sam. You'll lay out your arguments for your pop culture take as I chime in with questions, comments, commentary, and I'll deliver both a preliminary and a final ruling. So the floor is now yours, counselor. What is your hot take? People have dogged Sierra's career. I argue that Sierra's career was actually pretty great if you consider her abilities and limitations. And just fine is just enough for an artist like her. Do you agree or disagree? My preliminary ruling, I mean, I'm in single digits, like 3%, 4%, maybe convinced of your take. Because, I mean, I went to school in Atlanta during the, the peak of the crunk movement. Sierra didn't live up to who she could have been. Like, she had a great career and there's some bops and stuff, but there was like 75% more that she could have done with what she has. How do you know? Just from seeing her perform <laughs> and listening to the music. And there were just moments where I was like, now you know that's not the right choice you needed to make, girl. And hey, wait a minute. I'm not the one on trial here. You are. You're in my court. I'm wearing the robes. They're hot. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm going to say for now. And now it's on you, counselor, to lay out a compelling case. I think I have to start laying out the case by laying out the larger idea that I think Sierra represents for me mm. that I've been grappling a lot with as like our very Western ideal of the monoculture just like fades away. Stars aren't as big as they used to be. We don't all collectively watch or view or listen together as a country anymore, it seems. And so what does it mean to be famous, to be famous enough and to be successful enough in that kind of fractured media world? I think Sierra is a model of success that is just Adequate. She was adequately successful, and that was enough. The thing about Sierra is that if you take away any kind of semblance of expectation for her career, she did quite well. Sierra! This beat is 
She had a bunch of hit singles all in a row in like two or three years. More than one went to number one on the charts. She had a few albums that topped the charts and went several times platinum. She was also a model. She always has endorsement deals. And she married up. Wait a second. You think Sierra married up? (laughs) Oh, yeah, baby. That NFL money, that ain't no game. That is some serious money. I object. Okay. I'm ruling the married up as inadmissible because the idea that anyone who plays football for a living is on a higher level than Sierra is hearsay. No, 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 no. It is inadmissible. Don't try that shit here. Shut your mouth. I'm saying he has a more reliable income. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the other thing that we're not considering that is like really hard just for women in the industry period. It is really hard to continue to grab the industry's attention as a woman over 30. You've got to be Janet level and Beyonce level to maintain attention into your 30s and 40s. And the thing about Janet and Beyonce, their parents were working them as children to train them for this life. If you don't have that head start and you face the age expectations of the industry as a woman of color in the industry, listen, it's fucking hard. And we still talk about her and see her in the world. And so, like, if you just look at it in that regard, that's enough, especially given that she really could never sing that well, right? Objection. Go ahead. (laughs) Go ahead. Objection, uh, badgering the the witness. <laughs> I think that there is enough evidence to prove that Sierra could have been our generation's Janet Jackson. What if she didn't want to be that? And also, why do we why do we put any pressure on any kind of celebrity to be that? Mm. There is this pressure on celebrity, particularly black celebrity, to not just get famous, but to get famous and stay famous and always get bigger and always be the next whatever, mm-hmm. be the next Janet. Be the next Diana Ross. Be the next whoever. What if a great career is five years in the sunshine and then you go have your babies? Sierra represents that to me. Now, she did get that way through a series of failures. You know, she probably would have loved to have been on the charts for 15 years. It didn't work out for her, but she settled into a very Sierra existence. And isn't that enough? Objection. Object. Okay, tell me. Relevant, because... I would argue that as a spectator, you can see that there's a desire to to still do it, to like elevate, to like get better. It seems as though there's an internal goal there. I could see if she just like walked away from music. In my mind, she's already walked away from music because I'm not listening to those songs. In my <laughs> mind, Sierra is <laughs> In my mind, Sierra is entering that like LL Cool J liminal space where we know him more as the host of the Grammys than, like, the rapper. I mean, LL had that moment where he was telling everybody that, you know, they call him Big Ellie, and he had the comeback with, like, Timbaland and Headsprung and that that duet with J-Lo. But I guess, but why are we placing any expectation on her at all? Why do we place, why do we place expectation on celebrity besides, I liked that thing you did. Whatever else you do, go ahead. Like, for me, Sierra is a way to ask that question. Mm. Like, we have this weird expectation of fame, And it's like, Lord forbid you get famous and not stay famous. Lord forbid you get big and not always get bigger. Lord forbid you have a chart-topping album that's not followed by five more. But it's like, what if that's okay? I want us to live in a pop culture world where some rando from down the way can have a single that takes off, and then they're like, okay, I'm good, bye-bye. 
And I think that is what I want. Why can't we all be Jesse McCartney's? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm saying. (laughs) I gotta say, I think you picked a really hard case to plead because part of me is always going to root for Sierra to achieve the most because I was there. I saw all of the unfair slack that she got. People were calling her Sierra. Sierra. Remember that? Remember that? The Sierra moment? I remember when Rihanna asked her what stage she was going to get booked on. Good luck of booking that stage you speak of. <laughs> I think on one hand, I feel like this almost that's so Raven-esque vision. Like, I, I can see what would have happened if she had followed Body Party with some trap R&B, with some dope choreography, and a world where she would have just been like that girl, like baby Janet. But I also think you're right in that we should have a space within culture for people to have just a good enough career and one two step away from it. Whenever someone wants to tap out, either because they have to or they want to, I support the tap out. Sierra's tap out might have been a thing she didn't want, but I'm glad that she is not under such pressure right now to just constantly outperform herself. Mm -hmm. It's hard. And I think a lot about, even the way that we talk about companies and business in America right now, everything is bent towards growth. Your company is only successful it is if it's continually growing and never stops growing. But unchecked, unmoderated growth is cancer. Counselor, are there any final comments you wish to enter into the record before I issue my ruling? A lot of people say that Sierra had a bad career, but in my opinion, Sierra represents what could be the platonic ideal of a celebrity career in this moment of pop culture, which is good enough. We don't need to always be bigger and better. Be Sierra. Be be a Sierra if you want. (laughs) I'm ready to issue my ruling. I, Judge Josh, declare the case... Unresolved. (laughs) Called a hung jury. Called a mistrial. I don't think we have enough information to come to a verdict. Imagine it. Like, maybe Sierra will call it quits tomorrow. Or maybe there's going to be, like, some sort of Sierra renaissance right around the corner where we're all going to be doing the one-two step again. I think we just have to keep monitoring our impact and reopen the case at a future date. So I do appreciate you bringing this controversial topic into the court and starting the conversation. I love this conversation. I'm a big fan. Keep doing what you do. Thanks, Sam. And thanks for coming to Josh's Court. Josh's Court. Before we end the episode, it's time for my favorite part of being a judge, telling other people what to do. Put your hands together, it's time for the sentencing. Where you're gonna be told what to do and you have to do it. Or pay a $300 fine that has to be made out as a personal check to Judge Josh. In the case of B.A. Parker versus the state of Tina Fey's nerve, Regina George's neck brace, and the girl who looks like Danny DeVito in the bathroom, I love your work! I sentence the defendant to 18 months of wearing pink every Wednesday. I'm prepared to file a dismissal because of the judge's bias towards Mariah Carey. Like, how am I supposed to compete with MC Squared? Like, how am I supposed to compete with that? In the case of Hunter Harris versus Hillary Duff's first set of veneers, RIP to a real one. I sentence Hunter to 20 hours of community service helping to remove celebrity veneers by hand. 
I came in here, correct? And I've left here, correct? So I feel very vindicated. Judge Josh is a very fair judge, and I think justice has been served today. In the case of Sam Sanders versus the talented enough slash underrated Sierra, I sentenced Sam and Parker and Hunter and everyone to keep having juicy opinions and keep sharing them with the world, even if they're wrong. <laughs> I am all about getting mucky and messy and talking about the points of contention and being contentious for contentiousness sake, because sometimes that leads us to a bigger, better idea. And with that, court is adjourned. Judgments delivered in Josh's court are final and binding. Defendants who don't complete their sentences may be required to serve additional time as determined by District Attorney Miranda Hobbs. Aiding and abetting people with hot takes will be punished to the full extent of the law in accordance with both the Geneva Convention and the Genovia Convention. Offenders may be pardoned or have their sentences commuted if they prove that they're reformed individuals who are contributing members to society, or if they're able to memorize every lyric to every track on the Emancipation of Mimi. Josh's court is filmed in front of a live Josh. Back Issue is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. I'm the host and senior producer, Josh Gwynn. Back Issue was created by myself and Tracy Clayton. Our producers are Janelle Anderson, Zandra Ellen, and Ari Saperstein. Our editors are Leela Day and Emmanuel Hapsis. Our managing producer is Bria Mariette. Our executive producer is Leela Day, and our intern is Noah Camuso. Today's episode was produced by Ari Saperstein and edited by Emmanuel Hapsis. Our sound engineers include Sharon Bardales, Davey Sumner, Jason Richards, Jade Brooks, Marina Pais, Pedro Avira, and Raj Makija. Art designed by Cadence 13 and original music by Raj Makija and Don Will. Executive producers for Pineapple Street Studios are Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Regarding Josh. You can follow the show on Instagram at Back Issue Podcast. And if you use the hashtag Back Issue Podcast to talk about it on Twitter, you sound like you like chaos, and I like you. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever free podcasts are sold. You can leave a review. Tell your friend, tell your family, tell your enemy, tell everyone, because it really, really does help. I'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>